Hey, guess what time it is? It's teacher time. Woohoo! This is Every Child's Champion Podcast, and I'm Sarah Beach, your host. The beloved educator Rita Pearson once said, Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection, and insists that they become the best they can possibly be. If this describes you, then you're in the right place. Welcome, children's champions. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's get started. Hello, children's champions. Welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here today. This is going to be a short podcast today, but I'm going to share with you just a few ideas and a few resources for your own emotional and mental health. I was just speaking with some teachers and some coaches from several different states in the country, and everyone agreed that right now is a very, very difficult time for teachers. We were all talking about how many early childhood teachers have left the field in the last year, and one of the gals was mentioning how many retired teachers there now are, are people who may not have planned on retiring until the pandemic hit, and then they had to hang it up because it just was too risky for them. But I know many of you are sticking it out, and many of you are going into the classroom every single day. You're still wearing masks. You're still taking all kinds of precautions to cut down on the spread of the virus. And you're champions. You really are. Now, that said, how are you holding up emotionally, physically? We want to be very attentive to our own emotional and mental health right now because high stress levels can be a risk factor for developing immunodeficiencies or being more susceptible to getting sick. So today I thought I would just share with you some ideas, some resources that you could look into and just give you a word of encouragement to take care of yourself and do all that you can to cut down on your stress levels, even while you are going into work every day and dealing with what you're dealing with. Did you know that nearly 50% of new teachers leave the profession within their first five years of teaching? Costs school districts and programs tens of millions of dollars to replace them. Well, the good news is that we have some solutions for teachers, for especially for new teachers. There's been some research done on specific strategies for reducing the burnout that can happen in your early teaching years. And even if it's not the beginning of your career, the amount of stress the pandemic has put on all of us has taken its toll on our profession. But, you know, one of the silver linings to this whole pandemic thing, I think, has been how we have had to come together to get through situations, how the crisis mode that we get into can actually bind us to one another as teammates. And we forget about petty little grievances or things that really just don't matter that much. And we learn how to be patient and compassionate with each other and empathetic and help each other and support each other. One of my favorite people on this planet is a guy by the name of Daniel Siegel, who has spent the last 20 to 30 years studying the brain and the mind and gathering together experts from a variety of fields like medicine and biology and psychology, sociology, even anthropology, you know, things that have a lot in common with humanness. And what they've been trying to figure out is really what is the nature of the mind, not the brain, but the mind. 
how does it change over the lifespan? And one of the things that Dan Siegel said in a recent talk that I watched of his, he said something like, very interesting. He said, you know, this COVID-19 has really highlighted how interdependent people are. It's really put a new focus on the how important relationships are and how relationships help to regulate us. Something I talked about last week in my podcast on polyvagal theory and depression anxiety. And Daniel Siegel said the disruption that we're experiencing because of the pandemic and the uprisings about racial injustice really are demanding that we cannot return to business as usual. That denying our interconnectedness as humans really prevents us from living a healthy and integrated life. That was really a powerful statement to reflect on. You know, and I think he's talking on a societal level, treating each other with compassion and empathy and love. Wouldn't that be nice in our everyday world if that were the norm? So the pandemic has really brought the focus back to what's most important, which is taking care of each other and relying on each other. Wouldn't you agree with that? We can't go back to our pre-COVID ways. We have to find a new way to live together and relate to one another and be a source of support to one another. But we all know we cannot do that if we are depressed, anxious, or unable to cope with the stresses that we're experiencing. So what can you do to be able to cope better? Well, I want to talk a little bit about mindfulness, because mindfulness is something that's really been powerful for me. And I've referred to this in several podcasts as, you know, just doing some deep breathing, but it's more than that. It's really, mindfulness is really a practice that we engage in. It's something that you teach yourself how to do and become skilled at it. You can start with just a couple minutes at a time and work up to a longer period of time that you are meditating. But meditating or mindfulness is really just about being present in the moment and not allowing the worries, the thoughts, all the things that are usually crashing around in our minds to have any time, to have any of our attention, to take any of our attention. So mindfulness approaches really focus you in on starting with your breathing, where you are taking deep breaths and counting, say, one to four while you inhale and one to four while you exhale. And you're focusing very closely for several minutes on your breathing till you're in a very relaxed state. And you're letting your thoughts and your emotions sort of float by you and you can observe them and you can acknowledge them, but let them float on by out of your mind. So you're closing your eyes, sitting very still, focusing on your breath and whatever thoughts come to mind, that was a thought and you let it go or whatever emotions come to your consciousness, kind of say, huh, interesting feeling. Very interesting. I'm feeling anxious because I'm worried about this or that. And I'm just going to put that away for now. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to put that out of my mind and know that I can come back to that later. I can worry about that stuff later. Right now, I'm just focusing on myself, my body, my breathing, and good positive energy. There are guided meditations you can use. There are many apps that you can download on your phone, some of them for free. In fact, I have one on my phone called Rain Sounds, and it's for free. All different types of rain that's very calming to listen to. For example, here's a light rain. 
or rain with thunder. So you can find which rain sound calms you or makes you feel peaceful. They also have piano music that you can add to your rain sounds. And some other sounds. So the point is, find the sound that's soothing to you, that's that's peaceful, that brings you to a place of centeredness and just feeling calm and peaceful. Again, listening to something like that can be very relaxing, calming, and helpful after a long day or during your lunch break with headphones on. Gives you a chance to breathe, to rest, to relax, and put your worries and your emotions on a, a leaf that's floating down a river. That's the image that I'd like you to have. If you have difficult emotions or, or thoughts that come up while you're practicing mindfulness, just put them onto a leaf and picture them floating down a river, floating right on by. You're not denying them. You're acknowledging that they're there. You just don't have to think about them right now because you're right now focusing on peaceful, centered, relaxed, reducing my stress. And you might ask, you know, why do that? Why take the time to push my thoughts away and not pay attention to my problems. I got to figure these problems out. And the reason is that your body produces stress hormones when you're under stress. And the more we think about our problems and sort of ruminate on them, and the more we stay tied up in our heads with worrying thoughts and emotions, the more stress our body is under, the more hormones are flooding our body because our bodies automatically fuel us for fight or flight. And so what the benefit of meditation or mindfulness is to take your body into a state of relaxation. And if you do that proactively, if you do that like in the morning every day for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it can put your whole day on a path of resilience. I mentioned a bit ago that it's it's more of a practice than just a thing. It's not something you just do in response to stress, but it's something that you do proactively when you're not under stress, you know, to, you can do that as a practice, as a, a regular routine. And that really supports your body's overall functioning and your like your immune system. It reduces the amount of stress hormone that's flowing through your body. And it gives you more resilience to cope in general when things do come up, when things do get stressful. So it's almost like you're taking a vitamin in the morning. You're taking a meditation vitamin in the morning to you know, give yourself a boost so that you can get through the day. I also do mindfulness at night when I need to calm down at the end of a long day. And oftentimes for me, the end of a day is when my stress hormones are up and I really have to manage it. The reason I know this is because I actually had, for myself, I actually had some testing done through a, a medical clinic where they test your hormone levels and they test all your food sensitivities and all of that. I had that done recently and I found that my cortisol level was too high several times per day several different times. Stress is associated with many, many different illnesses, current and future. It's associated with infertility problems in some people, problems with the digestive system, feelings of sluggishness, feelings of tiredness, being tired all the time, not having energy. It takes a lot of energy when we're under stress. And this can, can put you at risk for all kinds of illnesses later in life and things like cancer, you know. So you really want to have a handle on your stress 
responses as much as possible and do what you can to minimize your body's production of stress hormones. Meditation or mindfulness is basically self-care. The reason self-care is so critically important for us, and here I am 59 years old just now figuring this out, sorry, but hopefully you're a lot younger and you're going to take this seriously. The reason self-care is so important is that we're caregivers. We're taking care of everyone. We're caring for our kids. We're caring for families. We're taking care of little ones. And if we are ourselves completely depleted as far as energy and positive feelings, positive emotions like joy, happiness, fun. We allow ourselves to be so overwhelmed and anxious and stressed, and we don't do something to fight that and take back a place of happiness and enjoyment and feeling good, taking care of ourselves. We don't do that. We're not able to be as effective as caregivers. We don't have as much to give. So when I engage in my own mindfulness practice, or I read a really good self-help book, or go to prayer or whatever I do to take care of myself, spend time working on my food plan, planning meals, all of the things that I'm trying to do to take care of myself. Yes, I'm taking time. I'm taking time away from my husband and my kids that also want to spend time with me. But I have to do that for myself. They're going to have to wait because ultimately I want to be there in the long term. I don't want to get cancer. I don't want to deal with a bunch of health problems, mental health included. So now is the time. We have to take care of ourselves right now and carve out some time every single day, even if it's just 15 minutes of time. That's not too much to ask. That's not too much to take for ourselves. I read a wonderful article recently by a woman named Sharon Salzberg, and it's called Care for the Caregiver, How to Practice Self-Compassion. That's something that a lot of us have difficulty with is actually allowing ourselves, being compassionate towards ourselves. We're compassionate towards a lot of other people, but sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. And that goes right along with not taking care of ourselves. But she talks about sort of a three-part way of thinking about compassion and, and self-compassion, which she says are critical for caregivers. She says the first is self-kindness which is being kind to yourself and not abusing yourself, not abusing your body, not allowing yourself to be abused, and forgiving yourself some grace if you fall short of what your expectation was for yourself, or if you screwed up, or if you did things or didn't do things in the way you would have wanted. So forgiving yourself. The second part to this is awareness. So she talks about being able to recognize when we've made mistakes that it's part of being human and not being so hard on ourselves. So being aware that we're doing the very best we know how, and everyone screws up sometimes. And the last part of it is mindfulness. So recognizing that things will get difficult, but we can remain mindful and practicing self-acceptance, practicing peacefulness and mindfulness, that those three things will help us to become more resilient. I want to read you something from her article. I love the way she describes it here. She says that all instances of pleasure, praise, gain, and fame are all met with corresponding experiences of pain, loss, blame, and other negatives. These states ebb and flow. They float back and forth like wind. When we're able to see both the joys and the challenges of caring for others, 
We can see something bigger than ourselves. We're part of a larger ecosystem. And we can see our own needs as part of its functioning. We can give from a place of inner fulfillment rather than depletion. We can experience what pure generosity feels like, giving without needing to receive from others, because we've built a foundation of taking care of ourselves. Just love that quote. I'll put that article in the show notes by uh, Sharon Salzberg. Just want to end the podcast by once again appreciating the work that you're doing and just want to encourage you to continue on in this incredibly important work. But please don't do it at your own expense. Please carve out the moments that you need, the time that you need to practice things like mindfulness and self-compassion. And hopefully you find a balance between everything you do to meet the needs of your students and their families and what you need to do for yourself so that you can come from a place of resilience and authentic caring. You'll find some links to these articles and to some mindfulness apps in the show notes today. And this is where I'm going to sign off. God bless everyone. This has been another episode of Every Child's Champion Podcast. For a copy of all our show notes from today, just go to www.synapsearlylearning.com and click on Podcasts and Show Notes. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Oh, and keep filling up those emotional piggy banks. Why? Because love lights up the brain and connections really do matter. You're not only a teacher, you are an attachment figure, a secure base. You really are making a difference. Be well, everyone. Stay safe out there. Talk to you soon.